You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Right now is a very unusual situation. You've had gold, forget about the little correction we've had. For the last six months, you've had gold go up significantly. You've had the gold stocks more than double, and yet the senior gold stocks remain very, very undervalued, in my view. And undervalued, A, they're undervalued relative to the price of gold. There's been a little bit of a catch up, but still on a long-term historical basis, they are undervalued relative bullion. Number two, they are clearly undervalued, uh, not the royalty companies, but the miners are clearly undervalued based on price. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Today's show is brought to you by Ore Finders Resources. The website is orefinders.ca, and this is a company we've been featuring recently as they are exploring the Abitibi Greenstone Belt of Ontario and Quebec, pursuing that high-grade gold such as we find at Kirkland Lake there, many brownfield exploration plays. To learn more, go to orefinders.ca. The ticker symbol in Toronto is ORX, and in on the OTC. You can find it under the ticker ORFDF. Well, my guest today is Adrian Day of AdrianDayAssetManagement.com, and I've been receiving some messages asking for another interview with Adrian. So Adrian, thank you for taking some time. You've been a busy man with uh, the recent virtual shows, the Beaver Creek Summit, as well as the Denver Gold Show. Perhaps you could start off by sharing with us a little bit about how those shows went and what were some of your key takeaways. Okay, and thank you, Bill, for having me very much. And I'm glad you got my emails. Um, (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you know, um, with the shows being virtual, the biggest benefit that I see, the biggest benefit is is a serious one-on-one with a particular company. And, you know, you can ask the company the questions, you get the answers. What you don't get, of course, by being virtual is all of the sort of um, informal conversations, which are, I think, certainly complementary and sometimes far more important than the actual formal one-on-ones. So I can have a one-on-one with a company and have a good, good meeting. If I'm at Beaver Creek, I come out of a meeting and I bump into somebody, Brent Cook, Rick Roll, whoever. I just bump into them and say, hey, I just had this great meeting with XYZ. Do you know what they told me? And I said, oh, don't fall for that, Adrian. That sort of informal conversation is so valuable. And that's what you miss um, by these virtual conferences. You get that feedback, that one-on-one things that you don't get just by listening to a professional presentation. And Adrian, one of the ways people consume information as investors is through social media. And we have some of those conversations And I saw something interesting, and it was about you, so I want to ask you about that, that you were unloading your position in Vista Gold. Uh, You know, when you see something like that online, is is there any merit to it? Well, first of all, it's just absolutely plain false. It is absolutely wrong. I don't know where the information comes, but um, because unloading is is a pretty, pretty strong word. It's not just selling, it's unloading. Um, I will tell you, I will tell you quite clearly that uh, whatever period you want to say, the last six months, if you want, the last six months, 
our holdings, both of individual clients and for the fund that I manage, the Euro-Pacific fund that I manage, our holdings investor have gone up, have increased and increased significantly. I am not allowed to say what we are doing in the fund or will do in the fund, but for individual clients, I can tell you we are continuing to buy Vista. So for someone to say we have been unloading, it, it is plain wrong. And if I sound a little bit agitated, Bill, it's um, it's because I get very, very frustrated with, well, fake news. <laughs> I get very frustrated with people reading things that are just plain wrong and accepting it on face value. I mean, if you want to know, if you seriously, and I don't know why anyone would, but if you seriously want to know what are our holdings on Vista Gold, you can check with the filings. Don't read Twitter. You can ask me, for goodness sake. Um, but there's a lot of, I mean, that sort of thing um, has a lot of ramifications. And I, I get very frustrated, very, very frustrated with the rumor mill um, because there's so much of it going on. And I understand people have, don't simply don't have time to check everything. So you read something, you assume it's true. But it reminds me of the parable, and I forget what the parable was called, the seed, the sower, whatever. Um, one of the parables that Jesus told in the gospel was about uh, spreading rumors, being like the wind blowing seed. Even if you want to pick it up, you can never, never pick or uh, pick up all the seed and you can never pull back all the rumors. So anyway, I mean, I think I think the 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 takeaway from there is to look for news, facts, advice on reputable sources, not on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and even reputable sources can be wrong occasionally. But I mean, look at reputable sources and, you know, make your own decisions. Don't say, well, Twitter says Adrian's selling. I'm going to sell and then buy back after he's finished or something. Um, and if you want to follow what I'm doing, I, I mentioned, you know, ask me. If you see something that I've sold a stock, ask me. But uh, if you want to know what I'm doing or you want to follow me, you can subscribe to my newsletter. But um, anyway, enough on that. But anyway, on Vista, is just plain wrong. I'm not asking you for a specific company if you've done this, but have you sold any long-term gold stock holdings over the last year as gold's been rising? And if so, what were some of the general dynamics within that company that caused you to sell? I can't think of I can't think of a long-term holding that we have sold. There are some we've trimmed, and the reason for that would be a particular stock might have moved up a lot. It represents two well, there's two reasons, frankly. One is a stock might have moved up and it now represents simply too large of a position. Um, generally speaking, I am fairly sanguine about large positions that have come about as a result of, of uh, growth in the stock price. But nonetheless, when you see one stock representing 12% of an individual's account, you know, you can justify trimming that to bring it back. That's one fact, one, one reason. The second reason, frankly, would be there might be some stocks that uh, were excellent stocks in difficult markets, and now the market is moving up. You have a big position. I want to cut it back a bit to raise cash to buy uh, other things that might do better in, in the environment we're in. 
Um, does that make sense? But I don't think there's anything that we have just said, okay, I'm out of this. So it's mainly a matter of valuation and wanting to raise cash. With your long-term uh, expectation for the price of gold, is it hard to sell in this environment, even for someone as seasoned as you? It's it's not difficult to sell if I'm selling in order to buy something else. So, I mean, this morning, for example, I sold some, well, poor old Rick Roll's going to uh, get upset. No, he's not. We're friends. But I sold some Sprout Physical Silver and some Sprout Physical Gold. Now, you know, in abstract, this is not a good day to be selling gold or silver, right? But if you're selling it in order to raise money to buy some stocks which have greater leverage that you want to buy, you know, that's why we did it. So that's not difficult. That's not now. Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie-backed gold exploration company in mining-friendly Namibia. Osino's district-scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B2 Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has a tight share structure, and with its current treasury, it can self-fund the advancement of its gold discovery into at least 2022. This is an exploration company with drills turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to. Osino trades in New York under the ticker O-S-I-I-F and in Toronto under the ticker O-S-I. To learn more, go to osinoresources.com. That's osinoresources.com. What's your thought on um, Vancouver and its ability to issue all these junior mining shares? We've really seen a lot of new shares for a lot of new companies pumped out in the last six months. Are you expecting to sell off because of the issuance of all these shares or what are your general thoughts with what's been going on? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think, am I expecting a sell off? I think part of a reason for the sell off that we've seen in the last, um, for the for the greater sell off among juniors uh, in the last, uh, some juniors in the last uh, uh, couple of weeks is, is the issuance. I mean, issuing, when brokers or companies issue share certificates, it's just like a central bank issuing more dollars. If you increase, you know, it leads to inflation. If you if you increase the supply, in this case of, of certificates, uh, without increasing in a commensurate way the demand, you're going to see lower prices. I personally, I I sometimes uh, uh, say something controversial, but some of my um, corporate friends in Vancouver don't don't agree with. I think it is too easy for junior companies to raise money. And by that, I mean, in in Canada, you can be any kind of dog or pig and you can raise capital and you raise it by, you know, if, if your stock's at 20 cents and you say, I'm going to raise money at 18 cents with a five year warrant of 22 cents, I can guarantee you there'll be somebody who will buy that placement. They may not know the first thing about your company, but they like the discount and they like the warrant. And the bad thing about that is often that money goes to people who don't care about the company. And the first thing they do as soon as they can is sell the shares so they hold on to this warrant and they get a collection of warrants. Or you go to existing shareholders because you can't find anyone new. And the existing shareholder says, my gosh, you know, I bought this thing at 50 cents. It's now 20. Well, I can turn around and sell it at 20 and buy it back at 18 or 17 and a half and get a free warrant. Eh, why not? So they go ahead and sell the shares they own. 
problem. So it's not good for the share price in the long run. Now, it's different if you're a good quality company, of course. One of the things I'll say to people now, if I may, which might be, uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, 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 questions, emails, and so on myself. Right now, the last six months, we've had a good gold market, right? We've had a lot of, as you just mentioned, we've had a lot of companies raising money. I'll make a very general statement, a general statement that's going to be 90% true, uh, or true 90% of the time. And that is, in this market, if you are offered very attractive terms on a private placement, it's probably not a private placement you want to do. If you get offered a private placement at a 5% discount with no warrant, that's because the company can raise the money without giving it away, which probably means they're a good company. So perversely, the better the terms, the worse the deal. Adrian, on that note, I just want to point out that uh, Joe Mazumdar said essentially the same thing on this show about two weeks ago, where oh. he, he does not want a warrant because, as you said, that means the asset must be of such high quality and there's more than enough demand because people believe in the team and the asset. However, from my vantage point as a U.S. investor with all the hassles of the legend removal process and all the hoops they make us go through, it's not even worth doing a private placement without a warrant. You're also a U.S. investor. How do you balance the two? Uh, do you only do yeah. private placements with a, w without a warrant? But I mean, for, that's the incentive to actually do it for a U.S. investor. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And, and Joe, by the way, I, I have the highest respect for Joe. I think he, he has a good newsletter and is a worthy uh, successor to, to Brent Cook. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can want certain things, but if the market conditions are not right, you know, you just have to be disciplined. Like, I, I would like to buy Franco Nevada at $40, but I can't. So I have to decide, do I want to pay $138 or whatever it is today? And it's the same with private placements. We In the fund, it's a little bit different. Um, we can do what are called overnight deals, although I don't often do those, frankly. But we can do overnight deals, and we don't have legended paper because we're a qualified institutional investor. So so that gives you a little bit of a, of a leg up. I agree with you for an ordinary retail investor – um, an ordinary, you know, that's not any indication on size. You could have $100 million in the bank. But if you're a retail investor, it's just not worth all the hassle unless you get a significant discount or a warrant. I agree with that. We've what we've done mostly in the last um, in the last five, six in, since June. May, no, no, really in the last six months, Bill, most of our private placements have been something that I don't often do. And that is private companies. So we bought several private placements, uh, several private placements in private companies. Now all of them expecting to go public over a certain time frame. Some saying we're in the process right now, and it'll three months. Some saying you know this time next year we intend to go public. Now when you when you buy a private company, you are by its nature, if things go right, you are getting a cheap price anyway. So we've done one, two, three, we've done four of these in the last three months without warrants, but they've all come, three of the four that have come public so far, they've all come public at a much higher price than they were as a private company. Now you take the risk, of course, if it's a year, we, we bought one 
two years ago, actually, that was expected to be public last year. It's only just coming public now. So there's always a risk, but it's a long time. So you're illiquid, you can't sell. And of course, the company, you know, may not do what it said, what it intended doing. Um, and with a private company, you know, again, you're a liquid, you can't sell, you can't just, um, you know, exit when things start to go wrong. So, you know, you have to be prepared for that. But uh, that's what we've been doing the last few months. Yeah, I don't think I've bought any. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've bought any secondary offerings, you know, private placement secondary offerings in the last um, in the last six months. Regarding the producers, that's something that you like to invest in. The gold producers, Q3 earnings are expected to be uh, very good. And I always, when I see the Q3 earnings go out and it's positive, and then the share price jumps up 10 or even 15% sometimes on the news, I always ask myself, couldn't investors have just called the management team, looked at the numbers themselves and did their own calculation and forecast and bought the stock 10% lower before the jump after the news release? How do you view the earnings release season for the gold producers in Q3, how, how are you playing this? I mean, are you going to do your own analysis and buy before, or are you going to wait to see the official company reports? Well, obviously, most of the time, normally, it's far better to do your own analysis and make your investment decision, buying or selling, ahead of the, you know, ahead of the public release. And, you know, a lot of analysts will do, I mean, one of the things that a lot of so-called analysts do well is just, you know, present facts. So you can get analysts from, they don't really analyze. That's one of my another one of my pet peeves. I've got lots of pet peeves, Bill. <laughs> You're a little edgy on today's show. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to be. No, but... um, I guess I just talked to my accountant about my taxes, so that that never does that never puts you in a good mood, right? Agreed. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're a, a, a client of a brokerage firm, you know, um, even some of the online brokers, but, uh, you know, you can, you can get a, a, a report, an, an, an analyst report that will tell you what they're expecting for uh, upcoming earnings and use your own judgment and, you know, to, to decide if you agree with what they're saying. Um, and yeah, certainly, if, if you think a company is going to have stellar earnings, you want to buy it before they announce those earnings, obviously, yeah. I'll, I'll make a couple of broader points, if I may, and, and then talk about this one. First of all, I mean, we have right now, just generally, I'm talking generally, we have about 40% of our assets in seniors. Now, seniors will be the senior miners and the senior royalties for us. So, um, but that is, that is a, a lot of people are very surprised that we have as much as that because, uh, uh, you know, we often, we talk a lot about the juniors. I tell you, Bill, right now, uh, right now is a very unusual situation. You've had gold, forget about the little correction we've had. For the last six months, you've had gold go up significantly. You've had the gold stocks more than double, and yet the senior gold stocks remain very, very undervalued, in my view. And undervalued, A, they're undervalued relative to the price of gold. There's been a little bit of a catch-up, but still, on a long-term historical basis, they are undervalued relative bullion. Number two, they are clearly undervalued, uh, not the royalty companies, but the miners are clearly undervalued based on price. I mean, you know, look at Barrick at, at uh, whatever it is, 28 
um, and it was over 60 back in 2011, and Newmont and so on. You can look at a lot of them, but are significantly lower priced today than they were back in 2010, 11, 12. Now, Oscar Wilde reminded us that, uh, or talked about people who know the price of everything and the value of nothing. So value is more important, but it's worth looking at where a stock price has been. And then look at valuation. Um, on any valuation metric you care to look at, price to book value, price to cash flow, my, even earnings. Some companies even have earnings. To, have you, who ever heard of a gold mining company with earnings? That's a joke. But um, on any one of these valuation metrics you want to look at, the stocks are trading well below their long-term historic average. And in some cases, in the lower quartile of their historic average. And yet gold is essentially at record highs. When you have a higher gold price, you tend to get multiple expansion, typically. And so you'd, if anything, you'd expect the multiples to be higher today than historical average. Look at price to cash flow, for example. Other than the last quarter of 2018, price to cash flow is the lowest it's ever been for gold mining companies. Now, when you think that the gold mining, the senior mining companies we're talking about today as a group are arguably, and I would argue, far better companies today than they were back then, the price of gold is at highs. There, there is no logical reason for the valuations to be significantly less than they were back then. Look at Barrick, for example. And let me just, I'm going to pull it up on my, excuse me a second. So, you know, Barrick today is under $28 a share. It was $55 a share back in 2010. And yet you've got a company with a much far superior balance sheet today than back then. A company with no hedges today. They had hedges back then which they um, started covering at the top of the market. Remember that? Far superior management today. When, when they acquired Rank Gold, they really acquired Mark Bristow. And Mark Bristow has done an incredible job in the last year and a half, turning Barrick around. So a far better company today, and yet a stock price that's half what it was. It just doesn't make sense. And Adrian, when you're looking at the gold producers, you have to analyze what they're going to be able to sell their product for, which is gold. So when you're looking to discern the top of the gold cycle, what is the key thing that you look at in the macro situation to determine if the gold price might be rolling over? Yeah, good question. Can I just answer your other question first? Because you just, you just said something interesting. Yes, gold price has gone up. But I, one of the reasons I think the third quarter earnings could be very good this year is because not only has the gold price gone up, the price they're selling their product at, but also their costs have stayed pretty subdued. In 2001 to 2008, the problem was it was a commodity super cycle and everything was going up at the same time. So the price of gold was going up, but so was the price of copper and other metals needed to build mines. So was the cost of oil, which is the number one cost of operating a gold mine. And so were the commodity currencies, the Canadian dollar, South African rand, Brazilian real, Canadian dollar, Australian dollar, so on. The, the commodity currencies, where most of the mines were based, they were going up against the dollar, meaning that the local costs, cost of labor and other local costs were going up as well. So in fact, from 2004, this is an interesting factoid, from 2004 to 2008, the margin, the margin did not increase at all, even though the price of gold more than doubled in those years. 
We're in a different situation today. The price of oil is very subdued. The commodity currencies have moved up a bit, but on a longer-term historical basis, they're very, still very, very cheap. And so the miners are not only getting a better price of product, they've also got far lower cost today. This will not last forever. Um, but 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 it's but but the margins are much better today, and they're much better, much more disciplined companies today. So they're not wasting that money. So I th- I think we we've got you know whether it's it's one quarter, two quarters, three quarters, we've got a a little period ahead of us uh, where we're really in a sweet spot. When I look at there's a few things when I look at you know to answer the question about the top of the market. I mean the first thing is clearly. If if monetary conditions started to tighten <clears throat> so that we get negative real interest rates and uh, generally rates go up so the e- economy starts to compress, that would all, that would be the clear, obvious signal that um, we should be looking at getting out of gold or that a top might be might be there. But the the odds of the Fed tightening anytime soon are remote to the point of invisibility. Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, was asked a question and he said, this is two months ago, he said, we're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates. And in the same way, I would say I'm not even thinking about thinking about a top at the moment. I am exceptionally bullish on, and now I can be wrong, but gold going down from here is not a top. Uh, it's, it's something different. I am so bullish on gold because I am so negative on what the Federal Reserve and other central banks are doing. I think I think we've got a a certainly certainly two, three, four years of a very strong market ahead. But when the Fed starts to tighten, that's number one. The other thing, frankly, is 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 more softer, not hard. It's when you get a mania um, or signs of a bubble, and this will be when you go out with your mates to a football match and everyone's talking about gold. I don't mean go out with your investment friends. Go out with, you know, whatever. That's not happening. When you get into a taxi and you tell the guy you're in the investment business and he asks you about gold, that's not happening today. Um, we are so, so far, we are so far away from a mania. For people who, yes, some generalists have come back into, have come into gold, Warren Buffett being the obvious example, or the, the most famous example. But most, most investors today, on, uh, gold is not even on their radar right now. You know, the Robin Hood investors and um, uh, ordinary investment advisors, if they're just not gold is just not on their radar now so we're a long way from a mania you know the thing is ben bernanke once said i think i think it was ben bernanke he said oh you don't know you don't know a thing's a bubble till it's over and that's nonsense that's absolute nonsense there's signs of bubbles and and you know there's no definition of a bubble but there's signs of bubbles when everyone's talking about an asset class or a stock that's a pretty clear indication that you you are at least reaching a bubble stage or a mania 
and we're not there yet. Yeah, that's great advice, Adrian. Adrian's website is adriandayassetmanagement.com to learn more about his service. He does manage money like we've spoken about in today's interview. So if you're a high net worth individual and want to learn more about that, head on over to his website and I will also put a link in the show notes. Adrian, much appreciated. Thanks for coming on today's show. And listen, Bill, as always, I really enjoy your interviews. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.